And welcome into MNCAA postseason edition here as we take through teams one by one um, across the Minnesota college hockey landscape. Uh, joined this week by none other than Bulldogs aficionado Max Veach. Uh, Max, uh, this does sort of feel like spring outside uh, as far as uh, there's rain falling. Uh, but for late April at the time of recording, it should be quite warmer than this. It still could be early March, late February weather for those. Uh, it's just, it's not been good. No, 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 it has not. Uh, it snowed earlier this week. And as somebody so eloquently put it on, on Twitter, I don't know who it was, but all credit to them. Um, if these are the showers we're getting in April, the flowers in May, it better be worth it. I think they were referring to the flowers. Uh, we're hoping to toss on the ice to mark grinder flurry. would be my yes, guess because that would be the best. Frozen flowers, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll go with that, anyways. Um, but uh, aside from that, uh, college hockey season, of course, done. Max says Bulldogs mean plenty of movement. So what we're going to do today is for the Bulldogs fans out there, we're going to recap the regular season, talk about the playoffs, both conference as well as the NCAA, uh, talk about some maybe notable departures, whether it be through transfer portal or whether it be through pro contract signings, uh, and then maybe perhaps some names we could expect to have come in. Again, it's still very early in the offseason for college hockey, still a lot of moving parts. So some of the names that we may throw out there as far as freshmen coming in may have not necessarily came admitted 100% to this year, but uh, so we're going by the, the latest indications that uh, we have available to us. So Max, let's kind of break the season down to a kind of couple parts here. I want to break it down by non-conference and then say first half, which I think would get us to about the, the new year and then the second half, and then we'll kind of go from there. So um, let's take a look at that non-conference schedule. Uh, you open up a win against Wisconsin and then uh, you go on the road. Uh, actually, I should say this. Yeah, uh, you do a... Uh, uh, a home and home with uh, Bemidji State. You sweep those two, so you start off through uh, three and zero. Great start. Great start. You go out uh, to, to this. No, you shouldn't say go out. You hosted the Icebreaker Tournament. Correct. Uh, um, and uh, holy cow, uh, we learned at least early on what team Michigan was. Uh, your first loss of the season against Michigan, but then ended up beating Providence. Uh, and then uh, the Goofs, who apparently you know. Whoever wants to claim the maroon and gold had it first. Well, we'll see. Um, you end up sweeping the Gophers uh, to end out the non-conference schedule. And I think at this point, uh, UMD fans liking what they see so far. Yeah, really, really confident to that point in the season. That brings us to, you know, right before November. So the first month there, there was some really good stuff that happened. You know, sweeping Minnesota is always like a feather in the cap. You can always kind of rely on that. There's a ton of Gopher fans that, that I'm friends with and, all the Bulldogs fans have to deal with being called little brother by one, one year after another. So getting those two wins was really big for the, for the program. Um, Bemidji state, it was one that we expected to win, but they're always pesky. They're always tough. And they had some, some pretty good seniors on their team as well. So that was good. Uh, the loss to Michigan, as bad as the score was five to one for, for the recap, for people that weren't paying attention earlier in the year, it wasn't that bad on the ice. The first period, UMD dominated the play. Um, Kate's got a, a penalty, got ejected from the game there, and it was just a completely different game from there on out. So it was hard for me to judge that one, just being obviously the, the toughest matchup so far that early in the season against a team that was supposed to have 
you know, the, the generational talent of, of everybody this year. It was the most highly touted team in college hockey all year long. So it was a, a hope we win and see what we can do against them and ended up being a, a question mark at the end because really good first period, pretty bad second and third captain missing big, big pieces. So, um, as, as tough of a pill as that one was to swallow, it was something that still didn't leave me, you know, worried, we'll say by any means. It was it was something that you can still look back on and say, there were a couple things that we did right. We just need to build off of them and continue going on. And as a return to sort of normalcy, right, Max, because the season previous, so we didn't have a non-conference schedule. We were in the bubble in Omaha mm -hmm. uh, in a more NHL-like schedule. And I think a game almost every other day, or if not, it was maybe at most a two-day break. So, And why this was so important um, is now the Parawise is back, right? So uh, this non-conference schedule wasn't a cakewalk by any means. No. Um, and if you can pull out a, a very good non-conference record, that tends to set you up for later in the season so I, I guess you know as we mentioned before you're happy now and now we head into the gauntlet that is the nchc schedule right so bulldogs are sitting pretty uh they get a pretty tough first task though uh, they go over to kalamazoo one of the hardest buildings to play in and all the nchc uh take a split against the broncos in kalamazoo and then you come home uh you, you win against colorado college as expected and then a nothing nothing tie and I think, Max, this is where I will pause briefly, even though we're only at mid-November. I think this is where some of the question marks started to arise with Bulldogs fans um, when you tie 0-0 against CC. Yeah, definitely. So that was that was the point in the season. There was some, some questions earlier about who's going to be scoring on this team. And once you get a 0-0 tie against Colorado College, who even to that point in the season had had stumbled quite a bit early and out of the gates, it was kind of eye-opening and saying, you know, I I don't know that we're going to be able to outscore anybody. And granted, they're a defensive team. They pretty much always have been. And I think that's how Sandlin always is going to want to build this team. Just, you know, if you're if you're great defensively, you can be in any game. Um, but you're going to find need to find some ways to score, whether it's, you know, a, a highly talented player or splitting it uh, amongst a few different guys or a couple of talented lines. And it just seemed like it wasn't clicking. It was uh, a some nights everybody had it. Some nights they didn't. And even to this point in the season, there was there was people that had injuries in and out of the lineup. I don't think it was until you know three or four weeks left in the season that they had a uh, a full roster. So it was just who was gone on what night for what reason. And um, I don't know if anybody got into the the rhythm of things um, at least that early into the season. But still not terrible. Um, I think it ended up being you know a whatever type of game it's not one that you want to lose especially at home there was a lot of quiet people in the in the arena there but it's it's one that kind of hurts more for the um for the, your your nchc rankings than it does nationally because colorado college still isn't in you know the bottom 10 or 15 in the league it's not going to look so bad to the outside um outside people watching very true. Um, you know, so you so you kind of dust off your shoulders right now. Yeah. If the Gophers are sort of the measuring stick for non-conference, uh, I would think they were both on the same page that North Dakota is kind of an other measuring stick inside the NCHC conference, regardless of whether they're retooled or not. Uh, you go into Grand Forks again, another very tough place to play. You end up splitting with North Dakota, uh, a very decisive four to one win on Friday, and then a one goal loss on Saturday. And then you get into sort of a, a, a Thanksgiving type atmosphere uh, going over. You host uh, Alaska Fairbanks, uh, you sweep them at home, and then you go over to Marquette, a little bit more non-conference action, uh, a, a loss two in a row actually to Northern Michigan, 
And this is where we start to notice a pattern, right? We start to notice this. Okay, so one day the Bulldogs are two-time repeating national champion. And then on other weekends, uh, this team could be a bubble team slash a non-NCAA tournament performer. Um, is this where, you know, sort of maybe not just flags were a problem, maybe more so alarm bells? Yeah, I mean, they are they are a team from Minnesota. So like anybody, they're going to play to the level of their competition seemingly every <laughs> single year. I don't know what it is about them. There's there's no, there's rarely any sort of blowouts with this this squad. Um, there's obviously a couple of big wins. A lot of um, empty net goals make the hockey scores seem a little bit harder to analyze when you're looking back on it at the end of the year. But Anytime that you can go into the the North Dakota series, like you mentioned, and take a split coming out of the Ralph, there is 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 going to be a win in my book. Yes, it's a split, so really it's not a win for either team. But for me, it's a win out, coming out of there, no problem. And you know, North Dakota and UMD, it seems like they split every year. Um, I, I don't know what it is between those two schools. For me, anyway, that's my biggest biggest rivalry in the NCHC. Other people might disagree with that, but having the history in the the old WCHA continuing it on here, being one of the closest schools, having a lot of my friends and everybody else that's North Dakota fans and being around North Dakota fans a lot. It's just a, a bigger series for me. So coming out of there with the split, nobody gets bragging rights. Great. I'll take that any day of the week. Um, the Alaska series at home, second game was was nerve wracking. Sitting through that one and, and still only having a one goal lead at the end was not something I, I was really you know, pleased or excited about. Yes, it resulted in a win and you got the points for it, but it was another one of those games where it was a little bit of a, a concern. And then to follow that up, um, you go into Northern Michigan and you've got the number one ranking at that time in the country. Um, the the downfall was Ryan Fanti was sick. Um, Stasekel was still out at that that time period with, with his uh, cancer treatments and everything that he had going on. And so we've got our third string goalie in there. I think there was four or five people that were scratched for health reasons off of the starting lineup. And there's a bit of a letdown there. So you're losing a game by one goal on the Friday night and then by um, three goals on, on Saturday night. And it was just not what you wanted to see. And just, you know, in standard UMD fashion, you fall faster than you rise. Nobody really wants to, to believe in some of those guys. You don't have as many draft picks as a Michigan or you know, as much clout to some of the East Coast teams with with all the media coverage that they get. So losing that number one spot and dropping down to, I think it was five, maybe even six after that um, was tough, especially with um, Northern Michigan, who I, I don't remember if they were ranked at that time. They were on that bubble of the, you know, the, the 20 in the USCHO poll. Um, but, you know, they proved throughout the season that they had some scorers on their team as well. They weren't a, a nobody team. They just couldn't string any of, of the big wins together when they mattered for them either. But yeah, I mean, going into the this, the early part of December to close out the first half of the, the regular season there, um, not what you wanted to see. No, um, not what you were hoping to to go into the holiday break with, right? And, and UMD right. wasn't done just yet. So this, we're at the beginning of December now. Uh, the, tough, the task gets tougher, right? So you go back home and you're taking on what would be the eventual national champions in Denver. Uh, a split there, and actually at the time, Denver didn't have quite the – the re- I don't want to say the respect because they certainly mm-hmm. were a good team, but I don't think they had the level of respect that they earned towards the end of the season. It was still a very touted club. I think this was just around the time they really started to get some national attention of 
this team is deep and this team is good. They're not a they're not a one off. Um, so a split there, and then to cap off the rim, uh, which is the I suppose yeah that got you in the, into the uh, the winter break. Correct. Yep. Uh, before you get into the New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day split uh, between uh, Minnesota and Duluth, and I say split in terms of split the holiday days. Um, it's a uh, unfortunately swept by the Mavericks. Um, and when we talked on the show, Max, um, this was sort of one of those where okay. Was the Northern Michigan series the start of a trend in the wrong direction? Um, was it maybe a bit of a reflective or reflexive, I should say, kind of a, a ground to take? Maybe, um, but there were some signs um, defensively that you didn't like per se with the Bulldogs, especially the way that they were losing these hockey games. Correct. Yeah, I mean, losing losing to Denver, especially on on home ice on, on Friday coming off of that, that brutal loss to, or those two brutal losses in Northern Michigan was, was tough. You mentioned it earlier to that point in the season, they hadn't gotten that recognition. They had gotten swept by North Dakota before they had gotten some of their very few losses on the season out of the way already. So they were still pretty low on the the national rankings and Bobby Brink wasn't the leading scorer in, in the nation at that point. It was still Nathan Smith Nathan and Smith, uh, yeah. probably Owen Sillinger or, you know, some of the other guys that, that are, you know, Ended up still in the top 10, but Bobby ended up catching up and surpassing them later on. Um, so getting a win on that Saturday night against Denver, huge, especially a 6-2 win. You you made a statement saying, no, we're not going to get absolutely thrashed. And, you know, splitting that, another NCHC split. It seems like if you can split in the NCHC every year, as long as you're going to keep this high-quality team, it's going to be great. You just have to win some of your non-conference games. And that's that's where it kind of fell off for me was, we had already lost two non-conference games to um, Northern Michigan. Um, doesn't matter who was gone for those ones. The record is the record at the end of the year, and, and that's what matters. And then to follow that up with two losses to the um, Minnesota State, almost called them Mankato State, caught myself. Um, losing two two in a row to the, the Mavericks there. Uh, again, um, a home-and-home home split series, but not, not able to take either one of those was, was tough. So it was kind of a, a spiral that you caught yourself in where that was where the worry set in. That was kind of where the panic mode set. It was how far are we going to fall? How far are we going to fall before we catch ourselves and start tightening things up? Hey, SodaPod listeners. Just want to give a quick word from our friends at DraftKings. They want to remind you that you can feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play for free for thousands of dollars with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now or Daily Fantasy and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So over the next two months, really, uh, we can dissect this weekend by weekend, but I really don't think at this point the trend is here, right? And I think we talked right. about this, Max, which is when you won, you won handedly. Uh, yep. For example, 4-1 to one against Miami, 5-1 against Omaha. Um, you were scoring when you were winning. However, when you were losing, you weren't scoring. And 
contrary to the Scott Sandlin brand of hockey that you want to play a, a tight defensive game. It was quite literally a flipped script. Uh, so in that same weekend, uh, same weekend against Omaha, you win five one, you lose five to one. Uh, so you know, a two three loss against Western Michigan, um, a three to five loss against Denver. Uh, so you know as we go through January, February, uh, and I would say even the second weekend of February, right? So let's let's yep. actually fast forward to the Miami series, um, one where. It was important for you guys to start because there was some momentum building at the end of this run, Um, but there were still some inconsistency signs. And, you know, we all know that at some point something just clicks with this squad. And it really wasn't until after the Miami series and a probably the the most ill-timed loss for you guys of the season coming February 26th in Oxford for yep. nothing. Um, this is when I think you could say that you have a defining moment of your season. I would think, to, at least from my standpoint, that was that game in Oxford, that 4 nothing loss. Yeah, I mean, what whatever Sandlin said in the locker room after that loss and on the bus ride home or, you know, whatever it might have been, um, he needs to keep that in, in, in the back pocket so that he can reuse it. And I'm sure he's used some of the same stuff from year to year. And just because it, it's exactly like you said, they, they always seem to find a way to turn it on when they need to at the end of the year there. But um, that is another one of those times where, hey, if we win this, we're in a really good position. We don't really have to worry. We can play a little bit easier. And they ended up losing. And then it was, oh, our backs are against the wall. We have to perform from here on out. And they had a little bit of wiggle room for losses, but they had to be quality losses. They had to be learning <laughs> um, whatever you want to refer to it as when you, you get some positive outcomes from a loss. But um, they found a way to do that. And they, they always do. And it was really good to see them bounce back from it. But yeah, you mentioned it. It was whoever can score three goals first in a game against UMD was going to win that game. And if you could do it two nights in a row, it, it didn't matter. That was that was the the difference maker for for playing them. And UMD just didn't have the scoring to put up three a ton of times. And if it was, they didn't have enough enough scoring power to put up three quickly quickly enough to be the first one to do it. And it seems like they play a different style of hockey when they've got that lead. And I think that's true for a lot of teams in the NCHC. And when you're built like this, is once you've got a lead, you you find a way to hold on to it. You play a you know a more keep away style rather than a, a little bit more aggressive, like you have to if you're trailing points. And so then we get to the run of uh, St. Cloud here, right? Uh, you, <laughs> yeah. So for whatever reason, right? Um, and, and I think this is kind of becoming a rivalry in itself. Uh, to me, I circle the calendar when both St. Cloud and the Bulldogs play, just because they're so similar in the way they like to play um, in terms of whether they play down or up. You can see that the styles are very, you know, almost identical. Yeah. Um, but at home trying to right the ship you get a 3-2 win in overtime which doesn't secure home ice uh because St. Cloud does get a point out of it but then you get shot out to end the regular season St. Cloud steals home ice for the first round of the Frozen um I should say the NCHC playoffs right, right. so I can only imagine the mood is kind of low, but then as you mentioned, some of those backs against the wall type moments end up being a spark. And then you go into the Herbrooks national hockey center, not an easy place to play. And you take two games only to sweep St. Cloud out of the NCHC playoffs. Um, so I got to imagine you're feeling pretty good about that. And then you win against Denver uh, two nothing. You win against Western Michigan to take the NCHC Frozen Faceoff title, and in both of those games, not a single goal allowed by Ryan Fenty. And I would say a legend is born. 
Oh yeah, for sure. At at that point, everybody that was rooting for Duluth or at least watching their games was was realizing that he was the real deal. And it's it's a shame that you know there was a, a couple of times earlier in the season where he wasn't getting a, a, as much help as he probably should have, or there was a couple of letdown games where he wasn't up for the the top goaltending honor um, in the nation. And you know who knows how that would have turned out if he ended up being on the ballot at the end anyway. But uh, um, uh, separate, separate, separate conversation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely separate conversation. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, he performed well against a, a ton of really good tournament teams right before the the national tournament started to take place. So you have all of that momentum going in there, and to to see a guy that's on a run like that, it is great. And at the goaltender position, when you've got that type of confidence rolling. That's exactly what you want to see. Um, everybody that that knows hockey or has been around some goaltenders, you know that they're a creature of habit, a little bit of, a, I don't want to say head cases, but there's some some mental stuff going on there where once you've got a couple of good games and you're feeling good about yourself, you're not playing so tight. You're not playing like you need to be doing something different. You just play like you have been and you're comfortable in it. And so that's, that's where he found himself. And I, I think he was playing like that for the rest of the year, um, regardless of what happened at the end there. And I'm sure we'll get to it, but... Uh, there's there's nothing that I would have changed about anything that he did in those games. And for the second half of the year, for the most part, there there was no major slip-ups. There was no um, really concerning things that he was doing. It was more so with the rest of the team that I thought um, there was improvements that could have been made. And so we, we talked about this before, Max, and we said, okay, now the light bulb's turned on. This yep. is the playoff Duluth team. They found it. They, they've got the, you know, the right formula to move forward. And, it's funny how they were so dominant in the NCHC uh, frozen face off again. Ryan Fenty, most outstanding player in that tournament, as voted on by the writers in attendance. Um, so all of a sudden, Duluth gets some national attention. In fact, a lot of people in this panel, have, you know, go come on the show, peg them to be in the frozen four end of the national championship game and, and gave would probably I think it was a safe bet at that point. Uh, so let's go ahead and, and actually figure out what happened, right? So you, you do some really good things. Uh, you get to the uh, the tournament. You uh, take down uh, Michigan Tech 3-0. Uh, but then maybe just by a semblance of Michigan, not playing Western Michigan, .0007. Yes, we're still going to crap them on that. Uh -huh. um, maybe this other game is different. Uh, maybe not, but a very close and tough loss against, again, the eventual national champion Denver Pioneers two to one um, in the regional final there in Loveland, Colorado, um, a, a disappointing end, but in terms of not disappointing in terms of how the game went or how they were played, but just there was all of a sudden such promise with this hockey squad. And I do think had they gotten through Denver, they would have been a tough train to stop. Yeah. A hundred percent agree on that one. Uh, I would say in, in just about any other region, uh, I would have easily seen, I don't want to say easily. I would have had a lot more confidence with, with UMD. The fact that they were matched up with Denver, um, they had already played them five times, I guess this year, tw twice in series at home. And then once in the NCHC frozen face off, um, coming into this game, there was, there was a lot of I don't want to say animosity between the two, but I feel like there was. Um, they both play a physical style. They both had um, a lot of hype coming in, and it was it was going to be a battle, and that's exactly what played out. And I don't want to overlook the Michigan Tech game, and I, I will say Michigan Tech's name, unlike ESPN when they're going through um, and <laughs> announcing what's going on. They, they had a great season. They had a great team. To see their number one player get kicked out was not what I liked. Um I will stand by the fact that I agreed with the call based on the NCAA rules that are in place. It was the correct call. 
nobody has to agree that that is the way that the rules should be written or enforced, but that's the way they are right now. So with that in mind, they got over that hump. They got into the Denver game. And to be frank, I mean, the the Bulldogs got outplayed the first two periods. There was really no doubt about that. They couldn't have any sustained rushes. They were being forced to go um, east to west rather than north to south. There was a guy on the puck, a guy on bodies constantly. Um, The UMD was forced to chip it out, and they weren't winning neutral zone battles. But um, they had got that that early goal, which was really key to them. Um, I think they had one goal on two shots at at one point, um, and they were they were losing the shot battle easily. They were getting kind of blown out. But then the third period came around, and this is usually the opposite script for UMD. They're they're usually not quite the the third period team. They've opened the door for a couple of people to make some comebacks, but they turned the the heat up um, on Denver. And they were getting a lot of really good opportunities. They just weren't able to find the back of the net. And then, you know, at the end of the game, uh, near the end of the game, I should say, when when Denver was able to get one past Fanti and missed the net and it came off the boards, off his shoulder, and then tapped in there or rolled in, it was tough to see that goal decide that series. And it was tough to see Fanti's kind of college career essentially end on that goal because that's that's not what <laughs> that's not what um the level of player that he, the level of play that he was playing at was so much higher than something like that happening. And it was just a, a shame to see it. And we've seen it in the past, like uh, in, in the NHL, uh, I remember the, I think it was 1997 Buffalo series against Ottawa. It went through the, the goalies netting on his glove. There's nothing that he did. It was a equipment malfunction. So bad stuff happens to good goaltenders all the time. It's just, you know, horrible to see that on that stage for it to happen there. And, you know, it, it uh, talk about bounces, right? How about Devin Levi also yeah. Northeastern, you know, a, a puck barely across the goal line enough of a, uh, a small, you could say a gaff uh, behind the net. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and again, not indicative of obviously the season he had, obviously he ended up being the Mike Richter award winner. Um, again, that could be another hour long conversation of how two college hockey trophies don't seem to make sense sometimes, but oh, we'll yeah. digress from that. So, um, overall, UMD 22, 16 and four overall 10, 10 and four in conference play. Um, I guess to wrap it up, you know, max ups, some downs as any other season goes, but you know, again, Duluth turned it on at the right time. Everybody was starting to click the way that, uh, Scott Sandlin wanted to play almost said Ryan there for a second. Um, <laughs> um, and then, you know, just a, a crazy bounce, right. Uh, ends up taking them out of the NCAA tournament. But I think you're for Duluth fans. Uh, you kind of had this team where you wanted to at the right time. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so the, the, the ultimate record there doesn't look that great i mean the the postseason wins obviously help there especially in the the frozen face off and you know the the one in the ncaa tournament as well but um 22 16 and 4 is pretty good when you consider they had the strongest strength of schedule in all of college hockey and uh, i had to answer some questions of online about that as to you know why is duluth ranked as high as they are when they've got just over a 500 schedule going into the postseason well there's a reason for it. a lot of their losses were, were really close losses to really good teams and when you're playing a, a ranked team or a top 10 team every weekend or you know sometimes three or four weekends in a row it, it deserves a lot more attention and credit than maybe some other people are giving them. So uh, I, I'm not upset with the team by any means. I think they had a great season. They performed really well when it mattered. And it just kind of goes to show what you can do with a great coach, a great scheme, and some players that really want to be there. 
hundred percent. Uh, it was a great season for the Bulldogs, at least, you know, especially towards the end, they were, I think in my part, one of the more fun teams to watch toward the stretch as they really started to take hold of, uh, they are the identity they've been really was working for almost all season, uh, Max. So, yeah. um, unfortunately when you do have seasons end, as we transition away from this season, uh, change is likely to happen, right? So it's unfortunate. It's just the way college hockey works um so let's talk about some, maybe some departures i think the biggest one um obviously ryan fanty going to edmonton but how about some of the other maybe key players not only maybe departing for either pro contracts or how about folks maybe that are in the transfer porter as well yeah for sure ryan fanty being signed to to edmonton he's not eligible to play for the oilers this year he's going to be on the the tryout contract but I still I still maintain he's going to save that franchise. They need some goaltending up there bad. Yes, they've got other people that are certainly well ahead of him in the depth chart, but I don't know that that's going to that's going to last a long time. I think he's going to get his shot up there and I seeing what I've seen this year against the level that he played against and how he performed, I think he'll do just fine um and and I think he deserves it. Uh, other people, Noah Cates, um, went straight out of straight out of the NCAA and into the NHL. He opened up uh, a home game, or not a home game, it's a home game for him being in Minnesota, but playing for the Flyers. Um, he had the best chances on, on that team. It was a loss against Minnesota. It wasn't particularly close. I think the Flyers are in a, a strong rebuild, and that's before they got um, the other two NCHC superstars on their team in Bobby Brink and uh, Ronnie Adderd. Yep. But it was it was nice to see him out there performing well. He got a really nice, warm welcome. It was probably best-case scenario for a guy that's going into the league to be able to open it up right at home there with all of his teammates against the glass. And uh, probably a really comfortable place. He had just won the the Frozen Face-Off tournament there before. He's kind of owned Amsoil the whole time that he's been in college. And it's it was nice to see him out there, a big smile on his face the whole time. Um, I'm glad to see him getting a shot up there. Uh, there's a top a ton of really good people that are both big in size and big in personality that are going to be tough to replace. You've got Kobe Roth, Kobe Bender, Casey Gilling as as a couple, Matt Anderson who's mm-hmm. got the 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 club lead in games played, Louis Rail, Connor Kelly, Hunter Lelick, like all of these guys were names that you saw a lot. Um, nobody I mentioned there had less than 37 games played on the ice. And that was Noah Cates, who was gone for the Olympics, which is why he missed some games there. So they were they were prominent pieces on this team, and they're going to be tough to replace. And there's a couple other ones in there as well, Jake Rosenbaum, Jarrett Lee, and Ben Olmquist. So when you combine all of those guys up, as well as Ben Pat, who was a, a big personality on the, on the team, just from a, a morale standpoint, I think everybody loved him there. And he did a really good, uh, a lot of really good stuff on uh, Movember. Always, he was a, a big personality there. But they're losing 49 of the 109 goals that they scored this year, 84 of the 184 assists, and 283 of the 581 team blocks. So they're losing half of their offense and half of their defense, essentially. And they're they're really good pieces out there. So it's going to be tough to replace all of those guys, and it's going to be tough not to see some of them going up, come, going back um, to UMD. And um, the transfers, uh, Connor Kelly was the biggest surprise to me. I know he didn't get as much play as he probably w- wanted to this year, but a Blackhawks prospect, um, really good, really good opportunity for him. I just didn't expect to see him wanting to leave with all of the other people who are already graduating, um, knowing the opportunity he was going to get on a team like this with the resume that they've already got. Um, hard for me to see where a, a better opportunity would be. But 
you know, credit to him for, for taking a shot and, and going after it when he wants to. So definitely some, some tough losses that are going to be tough to replace Max. And uh, before we get into our, our last little discussion here, um, you still have some really good pieces though, to build off of up front. You have Blake Biondi, who I think yeah. really sort of made his name uh, kind of come to the foreground as far as being an offensive uh, force there for UMD. I believe their leading goal scorer, if I'm not uh, mistaken, um, if he wasn't, um, he was going I'm into the crazy. playoffs for sure. Yep, 17 goals here, just one ahead of Kobe Ross. So, and then obviously Wyatt Kaiser in the background going into his junior, another Chicago Blackhawks draft pick. Um, so you you got some strong leadership and strong players there. Um, and the one thing that Scott Enlin has always been able to do is to mold the players and to coach them uh to get them to acclimate to a system or or division one hockey pretty pretty quickly, I would say. So th despite those losses, how confident are you in, in this team's ability to rebound uh, with, I guess it's not just maybe the talent level, but also just the number of bodies you're losing after this season. Um, Nervously optimistic. I don't know if that's a, a phrase people use, but uh, you're a Minnesota I, sports fan. That's exactly what we use. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, there's, there's some familiar names, at least to me coming up here. We've got uh, Joey Pierce, who is a Hermantown guy. He played with uh, Biondi and is, is somebody who, who I've got to watch grow up um, coming from that, uh, the same, same path as like a Pionk, for, for example, I don't think they play the exact same style of game by any means. Um, and I wouldn't put that sort of um, ultimate pressure on the kid, but uh, I certainly think that he's capable and and ready to be playing uh, for UMD here. Uh, Isaac Howard was another name from the national develop development team, um, just scored against I think it was Finland in their their international play. So he's got another um, another scorer coming in Sandlin that is that that should be able to help out. And there's some other there's some other names on here. Zach Sandy, the goaltender. Yes. Um, I've been hearing a lot of really good things. I've only seen a couple of highlights and a couple of um, um, short clips of, of him playing in the in the null, but uh, I don't have anything that's really bad to say. I think it was a, a really good goalie get for Sandlin. Um, and then we've got some more leadership, both on the goaltending side. Um, Matthew, I don't even know how to pronounce this yet because I haven't looked it up. Thiessen? Um, from Maine transferring in either Thiessen or maybe Tyson. We'll yeah. figure it out at some point, right? We will figure it out. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the preview for next time. I promise to get that's it right. right. <laughs> um, but coming in, he, he doesn't have as, as flashy of a record or as, you know, great of numbers as somebody that you want to be in a starting position, but to have him coming in with the, with some college games under his belt and a, a bigger frame from, from Zach Sandy, just seems like it's going to be a good goalie competition. And we've still got Stasekill coming back as well, who's who's great in, in his couple of times that he was on the ice this year, as well as um, previously. He, he won one of the games against Denver when Fante had to come out for a, a food poisoning. So he's proven himself as well. I, I don't think there's any real questions on the goaltending side for me. It's more so, are we going to be able to get Howard or Luke Johnson or some of these other guys on the forwards to help out beyond and get some more scoring going, as well as replacing some of those bigger defense. And I think the, the defensive names will probably be the ones to watch for, right? Because it always is, you know, from the goaltending on out is how UMD is always really built uh, their roster. So uh, some question marks there. But as always, you know, even if we didn't, there's still question marks, right, Max? You just never know always how things are always going to, you know, uh, play themselves out. But uh, I think that will do it here on the season recap here, Max. Again, we appreciate it coming on. For those here listening in,
on MNCAA. We're going to be continuing to do this series uh, for the next couple of weeks. Again, one week, uh, one team every single week. We're going to break down what's happened, what's coming up. Um, as always, thanks again for those who are listening. Be sure to check us out next week, and we'll see you then.